Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Okay, welcome everybody. Second Back to Basics Shi'ur. Um, happy you can join us here in person, online. Baruch Hashem, nice crowd online. Good to have you. And uh, or those listening on the recording on the podcast, finding holiness. Thank you very much. Um, we are moving ahead where we started last last week in our first Shi'ur. The only thing that we announced that are going to be different is that we're not going to have the Gemara component for the class given the uh, time constraints that we're on, and it seemed like it was a little bit squeezing a bit too much into one into one class. So um, quality may be better than quantity in that case. So we'll do 30 minutes of Tanakh with Rashi, followed by 30 minutes of Shuchan Aruch with Mishnah Berurah, and, um, and we'll take it from there. So we are on, actually, Rashi. We're still in the middle of that first opening parasha of the creation of of the world, and Yom, Yom Echad, the first day, we are on Rashi on Per Pasuk Bet, Tohu Vavohu. So that's where we are. So if you're following with us, Tohu Vavohu, Rashi says, Tohu Lashon Tema Veshimamon. Tohu is an expression of bafflement and astonishment. Shadam Tohe Umishtomem Al Bohu Sheba, where a person is astonished and baffled on the void that is consisted within it. So there's the, the tohu and the vohu. Is, vohu is actually the, the void and tohu is the wonderment. It's just totally confused. And then Rashi brings a um, tohu, he brings a French term, um, which I really can't pronounce properly. It's written over there. And bohu is la chambre recout vetsadu. Again, an emptiness feeling, a void feeling that is, uh, that is, that is implied by that term. Vechoshech al penetehom. Al penetehom is surface of the deep. On the surface of the deep, there is darkness on the surface of the deep. Rashi says, al penei hamayim she'al ha'aretz. So the darkness was sitting on the water which was hovering over the land. That is the tehom, according to Rashi. It's um, it's this collection of abundance of water that was there. We already spoke about last week that the water had been created already prior to the heavens and the earth. That's why we have this um, which is we're going to see now. Then Rashi says, Elohim the spirit of God was hovering. Here Rashi gives us a nice chidu. She says, This is in reference to the holy throne of Hashem. Omed Ba'avir was standing or settling in the sky, Umrachef al and was hovering over the, the face of the water. Beruach Piv Shalakadosh Baruchu through um, and uh, through the the the, spe- the the mouth through the mouth of Hakadosh Baruchu Ma'amaro and his statements and his sayings. That's how it was hovering. Um, the idea here is that we can't take it literally that it actually was a wind. Of some sort. That's what ruach actually means. Ruach means wind. A wind was hovering uh, uh, over the water. Godly wind. And the reason why it cannot mean wind is because then the verb used would not be merachefet, 
hovering, but menashevet. That's, that's how wind blows. We say mashiv haruach umorit ageshev. The Lashon of blowing is menashevet, not merachefet. So for something to be merachefet, this is how Rashi implies that it's something of God that is hovering, which is his, the, the kisei kavod. Just like the dove hovers over his nest. Okay, Pasuk Dalid, Rashi here says, Vayar Elohim etaor kitov vayavdel. Elohim saw that the light was good. And through that, vayavdel Elohim ben aor ben ahoshech, he separated, he divided the light and the darkness. So Rashi says, Af bazeh anu tzrichim ledivre agada. Even here, we need to explain this by means of Agada, because you can't separate something unless they are mixed together. So what exactly does it mean? You can't, you know, to separate, to do Havdalah, Lehavdil, means to separate something that is mixed. So how exactly is this, is this taking place over here, where they weren't mixed? So he explains, Ra'ahu she'eno kedai li'ishtamesh bo HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that the Rishaim, the wicked people, are not deserving of use of light. They, should, they, they don't deserve it. They're evil, they're wicked, they perform bad deeds, and they don't deserve light. So what did he do? He separated this light for the, for the tzaddikim in, in the future. Uh, when it comes time of Mashiach, he's separating this holy light. Ufi peshuto... So that's how he explains it, the Divrei Agada. The Divrei Agada is there's this holy light, there's this special light that is reserved for the tzaddikim in the future. It's it's clear, or it seems to be not the light that we are we are used to right now. It's a different light, a or ganuz, a hidden light that was Hakadosh Baruch Hu's light that will be reserved for the tzaddikim. That is how he explains it, the Divrei Agada. But Ulfi Peshuto, however, according to um, the simple or the explicit meaning of the text, this is how you explain it. Ra'ahu, he saw kitov, that it's good, ve'en na'e, but it's not proper. Lo velachoshech, for it and for the darkness. Sheyu mishtamshin be'irvuvia, that it could be, that it is being used as a mixture. Light and darkness don't mix well. And what he had right now was this kind of jumble between light and darkness. This is what happened on day one. So what he did is, So the meaning of Vayavdel Elokim was that he created set times for the day and set times for the night. Um, uh, or, sorry, or set times for the light, set times for the darkness. That being the day and night. So light belongs in the day, and darkness belongs uh, at, uh, at night. And that was the separation. The separation wasn't that of, of two uh, essences, because, but rather it was a separation of time. I've created an individual set of time for, for light and an individual set of time for, for day. And that's how Rashi explains according to the second shot. And it was night, uh, evening, and morning, one day. Rashi addresses the obvious question here. 
If you wanted to follow the orders of the way the all the rest of the six days were during creation, the the this pasuk should have ended by yom rishon, just like the second day was yom sheni and the third day was yom shlishi. So why does it say yom echad? Like he says, Why does it write one? So he answers, This Akados Paruchu, this was his way of saying a little hint that Akados Paruchu is unique and only in his world, he's the only one that is one. The angels were only created until day two. So on day one, God was the, really the only thing in existence. Uh, this is what it's explained in Bereshit Rabbah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is really the only thing that is one. It's one of the meanings of Hashem Echad. He's the only thing that does not have a, a second to it. Right? Human beings have the male and female. And there's multiple human beings. Angels, there are, are, are lots of them. But God is unique and one. And that is expressed through the term Okay, so that, that concludes day one. Let's look, let's go back into the Pesukim, into Pasuk Vav. Let the firmament be within the water. And let that divide between the waters, the two waters. So God made the firmament. And separated between the waters that were underneath the firmament. And the waters that were above the firmament. And so it was. And God called the Rakia Shamaim. I was already named it. And it was day, and it, it was night, and it was morning, second day. Okay, so let's look at Rashi. Rashi says, Yehi rakia, yitchazek harakia. Yitchazek harakia, let the firmament be strengthened itself. She'af alpi she'nivre'u shamayim v'yom rishon. Rashi says, even though that the heavens was created in the first day, Adain Lahim Hayu. They were still wet. They were moist. Vekarshu Basheni. And the, the heavens congealed on day two. So they were the the Rakia, the, the Shamaim was was not what it is today. It was it was a wet substance. It was I don't know I, don't, I can't describe it, but it was wet according to Rashi. And it was only on day two when they were mithazek did they become congealed. How did they become congealed? Migaarata Kadosh Baruchu Beomro Yehirakia. When God roared, yeah, he, he roared, he screamed, he yelled, Yehirakia, that's how it congealed. To congeal is, uh, is is it needs the the molecules or the, have to go through some sort of a shock, right? When you have uh, when you have um, a um, someone vlogging on the line when you when when you have a, a, a dish and it's got some oily substance and you put it into the fridge or something cold, there's a shock going on, a temperature shock which allows a congealing. So same idea here. 
where which this is, that's why it's a roar of Akados Baruch Hu, the Yehirakia that created that. Vezeu Shekatuv is giving some examples here of other times where we see this happening. Vezeu Shekatuv Amudeshamaim Yerofafu. The pillars of heaven were wobbly. Kol Yom Rishon. This is in reference to um, the first day. Things were wobbly, wobbly up there. Ubasheni, but in the second day, Yitmehu Migaarato. They were startled through the roar. Adam shemishtomem, like a man who is shocked, veomed migaarat hameayem alav, and he is and he is standing through those um, screaming and threatening him. He just he just when you're threatened, you're you're in a state of shock and you just hold still. Hence, this is what happened in uh, in the shamayim up there. So Rashi then explains betochamayim. What does it mean betochamayim? Beemsahamayim. With, which is in the the middle of the water. So here's a machloket Rashi in Ramban. Rashi here says it was in the middle of there must have been waters, and the rakia kind of inserted itself in the middle. Uh, the Ramban says he quotes Rashi, and the Ramban says we have no idea what this means. <laughs> the Ramban is very uh, and the Ramban was a big kabbalist. Uh, Ramban says we we can't imagine what this is talking about. Putting a firmament inside waters in the heavens, he, you know Rashi's Rashi's trying to get literal here. There were waters up there, was uh, okay, and uh, even the even the sky, even the rakia was was moist and it congealed and somehow went in through the waters. And then this is what uh, what took place. And Ramban says, "Listen, I don't know what's going on over here. Let's leave it to let's leave it to God." Rashi says, "Sheyesh hefresh." There's a difference. Ben Maim ha'elyonim la rakia. Between the waters on top of the rakia, kemo ben harakia lamaim she'ala aretz. That's the meaning of um, in between of the, uh, the 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 rakia that was on top on the water that was on top of the land. Halamata shehem tuluim be'ma'amaroshel melech. We see from here that everything right now was was tole dependent on the statement of the king. This is Hakadosh Baruch Hu, right? Whatever he's saying right now. Things are moving into place. God made the rakia. He fixed it in position. He put the sky in its position. And that was the creation. Or the or the the what what God made on the second day was was this purpose. It was for all this purpose of putting the sky in the position. Um, like, like we see later on. In Parashat Kitetze, um, by the Eshet uh, the woman who is captive, and uh, we have to let her nails grow, her, her nails get into position. <clears throat> the waters that is on top of the Rakia, the, the Pasu, Rashi says, Al Harakia lo The Torah doesn't say that it was between the waters that. On the rakia, ela me'al la rakia, above the rakia, lefi shehen teluin ba'avir, because the sky was suspended in the uh, or the rakia was was suspended in the air. So now Rashi asks a question. He notices that in this day, day number two, there's no mention of good. There's no mention of good in day two. Umipene malo ne'emar kitov bayom asheni. Why doesn't it say? God saw that it was good. 
dinner by day one, day by day three, day four. Why no mention of Kitov day on day uh, day two? Lefi shelo ayan nigmar melechet hamayim ad yom shalishi, because the creation of water was not complete until day three. The gathering of waters, which we're going to see, when the waters were gathered into oceans, okay, uh, into one spot, that is what the completion was. You can't say something is good when it's still not its finished product. When the third day, when he finished the work of the water, and he started and completed a different work, a different uh, thing, as we're going to see. Kafal bo kitov You see, in day three, you're going to see the words kitov twice. One for the water that started now, uh, started actually before the creation, like we said before, before shemaim ba'aretz, and then for the other creation in day three. Echad ligmar lemelchet sheni. The first one to finish the second work. Vechad ligmar melechet ayom, and the one to finish that day's. Uh, that day's work. <clears throat> and God called the Rakia Shamaim. Shamaim Rashi says is a combination of two words. Sa Maim. Sa Maim means lifting up the waters. That's what Sa Maim. The waters are being lifted. Sham Maim can also mean there is the water, the upper waters. Sham Maim. He also gives a third reason. Esh umayim, fire and water, that the heavens are created with a mixture of fire and water. So three, he gives us three explanations of why the heaven is called shamayim. One, because the waters were lifted up. The other one, because the waters are there, sham. And also esh umayim, a combination of fire and water. She'arvan ve'asa mehem shamayim. They were both of these were mixed, and, so, and that's how they created the, uh, the, the that's how the heaven was made. All right, amazing. Baruch um, Hashem. Okay. Third day. Vayomer Elokim. Elokim said, Yikavu hamayim. Let the waters gather, the waters that are underneath the heaven, to one place. And let the dry land be seen. And so it was. God called the dry land, it, land. And the gathering of waters, he called yamim. Yamim here does not mean days, it means oceans. That's why if you look at the word yamim, it's got a dagesh in the mem. Whenever you see the word yamim with a dagesh in the mem, it means oceans. A good Baal Kore will have to know that that's what, how to pronounce it. If you just say yamim without stressing the mem, it means days or years. But yamim with a mem, with a dagesh, means oceans. Bayar Elohim. Kitov. And God saw that it was good. So this is the first Kitov, because this is the completion of the waters. God says, Let the earth sprout vegetation. Uh, 
plants that bear seed or seed bearing plants. Etz peri, ose peri lemino, fruit trees of all kinds that produce fruit. Asher zarobo ala aretz, that bear fruit with the seed in it. Zarobo ala aretz, vayichem, and so it was. Batotze haaretz deshe, and the land sprout the deshe, the deshe is the, the, the vegetation. Esev mazria zera, again also the plants of all kind. Lemineu of its kind. Ve'etz ose peri asher zarobo lemineu, and as well the the trees that had the fruits with the seeds in it of its kind. Vayared okim kitov, and God saw that it was good. And, and it was night and it was day. Okay, amazing. Let's go to Rashi. All right. All right. So Rashi says, Yikavu mind. Let the waters be gathered. Shetuchin hayu al They were spread. The waters were spread all over, all over the earth. Meaning, it wasn't gathered in one place, it was just water everywhere. In some, deep, some parts deeper, some parts not. Vehikvam ve'ukianus. And he gathered them to create the oceans. Hayama gadol, hu hayama gadol shebechol hayamin. This is the great ocean, which is the Mediterranean Sea, the greatest of... Um, of all uh, of all oceans, um, obviously we know that that's not you know the Mediterranean is not the greatest of all, but it's the one that is most important to Akados Baruch Hu because it borders on Chal Yisrael. But in addition, uh, I think modern day um, the modern day Hebrew translates uh, Ukanus as the uh, as the Atlantic Ocean. I think one of them, um, but uh, this is reference to Yamagadol, which is the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so. So Rashi then says, Kara Yamim, and he uh, and the, the gathering of waters he called oceans. So Rashi says, Vahalo Yamehadu, but behold, there is only one ocean. There's only one great sea. You can argue that all seas are connected, right? So whether he's referring to the Mediterranean as Yamagadola, he's referring to all the oceans, they're all connected. So why is he called oceans? Just be ocean, just all connected. There is there, the, the, the taste of fish that comes from the ocean in Akko, that's the north of Israel, does not compare to the taste of fish that comes from Aspamia. Anybody guess what Aspamia is? What does it sound like? Spain, very good. Aspamia, Aspamia is Sefarad. Okay, that is uh, that is the different tasting fish. So it it feed, you're correct, right? Saying yes, it's one ocean, it's one ocean, but you know uh, what can we say? You know we have oceans here in Canada that have salmon and uh, you know and then or lakes or whatever, and then you have oceans that carry uh, big tunas. Like what, what can you do? There's so therefore we consider them different uh, different oceans. Rashi here is, is paying attention to the um, to the terminology of deshe and esif. 
He says, Lo deshe lashon aesev, velo aesev lashon deshe. He says that the, the term of deshe does not mean esev, and esev does not mean deshe. Velo haya lashon amikra lomar ta'asiva aretz. Right? It's not the, the way of the, of, of the, of the text to say ta'asiva aretz. That verb ta'asiv doesn't really make sense. Shemine deshaid mechulakin. Kol echad la'atzmo. Nikra esev ploni. Because whenever you have things that grow from the ground, okay, um, that, that, that cover the ground in different ways and grow, it generally gives, gives the term esev. So to say ta'asiva aretz is not correct. So we say deshe, tachea aretz. Ve'en lashon lamedabe lomar deshe ploni. And it's also not the way of people to say this deshe. Normally when we, when we want to say um, uh, a certain plant or a certain growth, we call it esef, not deshe. Modern day deshe is, is grass. Shelashon deshe hu levishat ha'aretz ba'asavim, because the lashon of deshe is what dresses the land with greenery, kishihimit malet b'deshaim, when it's filled with grass. So therefore, he, the, the Torah uses the term tadshe ha'aretz, titmale v'titkase levush asabim. Let the earth be filled and covered with a covering of grass or, or these, these growths of, of herbage. Belashon laz niklat deshe irvedich, I don't know, that's a French term, kulan beirbuvia, all mixed up. Bechol shoresh laatzmo niklat esif, and every plant or every herbage that has a, its own root is called esif. Okay. Mazriya zera, was it Mazriya zera? Sheigdal bo zera lizroa mimenu bemakom acher. That is, the seed should grow within itself so some of it can be grown in another spot. This is the beauty of it. It's mazriya zera. The, 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 the vegetables, the fruit have inside of its seed so if I want I can plant it somewhere else. It's not a one-time thing. I cut a tomato, I cut a pepper, I cut a cucumber, I got seeds in there so I can use to plant elsewhere. Etzperi, Rashi notices that the Torah calls it etzperi, a, a tree of fruit. And he says, The actual taste of the wood, of the tree itself, tasted like the fruit. This is what, when God created the tree for the first time, if you were to rip off a piece of the bark, you would actually taste an apple. You would taste, uh, it tasted like the fruit that was growing. This is what he wanted. This is what God commanded. But the problem is the tree did not do so. When the pasuk says that the land, when the land gave forth its, the tree, it didn't say etz peri. It said etz oseperi. God's intent was that the, the, the tree itself would be the fruit, plus the fruit. But when the land gave off the tree, it gave off a tree that produces fruit. Therefore, Therefore, Adam, when he made the sin, it was on the tree. The tree was, was the, the culprit by providing the wrong fruit. And as well, the, um, the, her sin, she was, um, 
she was also affected by the tree. Asher zar obo, we said that the tree has the, um, um, the tree has the, the seed inside it. Hen gara'inek kol pri, this is the pit of any, any fruit. Shemehen ha'ilan tzomeach kishinot imoto. That's where the tree sprouts from, from the pit. Nowadays you could see, uh, fast motion, what do they call that? Uh, you see how the, how fast, what? Time lapse, I keep on forgetting the term. Time lapse, you know, you put it in and you see how fast it, the, the, the tree grows from the pit. Lastly, right? Even though the, it does not mention the word lemineu of its kind by the desha'in, by the growth, by the greenery and the plants, the, the, they heard that the, the tree had to give off of its own. So they made a kalva homer on its own. So the, the Gemara here is Masechet Chulim that says, what was the Kalba Homer? the Gemara here. When God told that uh, the, the, the trees should bear of its kind, all the, the greenery, the growth, and the, the grass made a Kalba Homer. Right? If, if God's will is to have things mixed up, then why did he say of its kind by the trees? Okay? But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't say, so it must be that for us, which is a smaller, a smaller item, we have to have our own plants and our own kinds um, another kava chomeruma ilanot she'en darkan natzed beirbuvia. Just like trees are not their way is not to to go out in a mixture because they're bigger and their and the branches are larger. Amara kadosh baruchu lemineu. God said of its kind. So alachat kama vekama for sure us, and that's why each one of the plants, every plant, every blade of grass, every everything was of its own kind with its own root. And um, they made, they learned that from the Kalba Homer. Okay, so that concludes day number three. And that is going to conclude our Humash for, uh, for the day. We're going to move now to Shulchan Aruch Mishnah Berura, like we were continuing, like we started off last week. So it's going to be a couple of minutes for us to open up over here. For those that were following, again, there's a link online that you can click to follow with Sepharia. We are still in the middle of Siman Aleph. We are in the Mishnah Berura. Where are we here? We are in the Mishnah Berura, Se'if Katan Hey. So on your on your on your book, it's page eight. Um, now, I just want to read just to, to let us know what the, the context of what we're speaking about. The Ramah said at the end of Halacha Aleph. Saif Aleph, he says that, you know, a person has to attain this level of fear uh, and constantly be aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at all times. And that's how he, by doing so, that's how he gets his higher level of Yirah. And then he said a line not to be embarrassed by people who will be poking fun at him. That's what they said. Because he goes, this is going to happen. People are going to call you crazy. They're going to call you fanatics. They're going to say you're too religious. You're too this. This is 500 years ago. Still applies today. 
Right? People make these comments. He says, That's what he said. Um, so now, let's, let's look at Saif Katan. Hey, we're at the bottom in the Mishnah Brura. What is the Mishnah? So again, the Ramah says, don't be embarrassed. But the Mishnah Brura adds a clause here. Everyone see it? Over here? No? Page 8? Right at the beginning, page 8. You got it? You got it? Yaakov, you're good? It's, yeah, you don't have a page 8 there. It's probably in it. So look at the bottom. Saif Katan Hey. The Mishnah Brua, letter Hey. So Mipne Bene Adam says Mishnah Berura, Beakol Panim Loikotetimahem. Whatever you do, just don't fight. He's <laughs> giving us Musad. You know, you, know, you know, don't be embarrassed. Stand up for yourself. You have to be, in a way, proud of, of your religion and the mitzvot that you that you learn. But at the same time, loikotet, don't fight with them. Stubbornness and or azut panim is brazenness. Is a very bad midah. Even for the service of God, a person should not be brazen, should not be azpanim. Because what's going to end up happening is then you're going to start being azupanim, you're going to be brazen even when it's not for the sake of God. And he says, The Be'ur Alacha actually says, Be'ur Alacha is right next to it. Um, I'll read it for you. He says, Again, it's not the Mishnah Bura, it's in the Be'ur Alacha towards the bottom. He says, if you're, if you're actually in the presence of apikorsim, people that are denying the authenticity of the Torah, the, the, the denying the Chachamim, these type of individuals, and these people now want to start making decrees that are going to, to uh, 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 you know, decrease or lessen the value of Torah in your in your city. And now the nation is going to start. Uh, what can I say? Uh, going against the will of God. This is not what we're talking about. It's a mitzvah to hate them and to fight them. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, and go against their, their advice. So we see over here that the Be'ur Alakha is, is very, listen, when Mishnah Bura says, don't fight, okay, that's because the guy in the street, he just, he's not against the Torah, he just doesn't like the fact that you're, 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 he calls you fanatic. Okay, don't fight with them. But when you get to people, and you will meet people that say it's nonsense, Chachami make up things. Torah is not real. God forbid. Then, then you have a, then you have to go out there and you have to you have to wage war because you can't let them institute ideas that will you know that will threaten Torah existence in the place that you live. Back to the Mishnah Brua Vav Hamal Alav. Those people that are laughing at you. Vechen imhu Adam Benoni Omed Bimkom Gedolim. If you are an average guy, but you're in 
a place of uh, bigger guys. I don't think it's referring to stronger guys here, just people with more clout, people with more uh, you know, influence. Don't be, uh, don't be uh, embarrassed from them to learn and to do mitzvot. No. You're, you're an average guy, you do it. But if, if, if you could do the mitzvah not next to them so that you can avoid the comments, better. However, but if you're amongst people like you, average guys, benonim, everybody's the same, which is most people are in the category of benonim, then he's going to say, It's better to do it in front of them. Because then they're going to learn. They're going to see you, the religious guy. Hey, what's he doing? He's washing his hands. What's he doing? Washing his hands. Oh, he's eating bread. Oh, maybe dry wash my hands. He's going to learn from watching you. I love the Musar, the Mishnah Bura. He says, Your kavana should be Lashem Shamayim. I'm doing this in front of people, not to show everybody uh, uh, a religious guy I am, big shot, arrogant. No, I'm doing it for the sake of God because I want to show people how to do the mitzvah and how to fulfill the halakha properly. He also says uh, that a person should walk humbly and quietly. Tzniyut has a lot of definitions. Rotselomar. Even when you're in your house, privately, no one's around. So too, the way that you walk should be with Hashem. And you have to wake up in the morning, he said, with alacrity. Lavdavka doesn't mean right away. Not specific, specifically means doesn't mean right away you, you open up your eyes, get up and run. You should just wait a few moments. Don't get up right away. says this is damaging to the body. Person that wakes up, gets up right away and runs to the bathroom or whatever it is, it could be damaging to the body. And it's good to say when he wakes up, no, Shukhan Aruch does not mention this, this statement of, of Modani, right? It just says, get up like a lion, right? But the Mishnah Brura is bringing over here, based on the Seder Ayom, and brought down, uh, you know, this, this, this sentence of Modani that a person should say in the morning. It's um, uh, a machloket poskim for a girl. Does a girl change the lashon of uh, of mode ani to moda ani? When mode is, is male, ani mode. But if a girl saying mode ani, should she say mode or should she say moda ani? So Chaim Kanievsky says, and Ravavadia both say she should change it to moda. She's female, moda ani. Ravel Yashiv holds no. Stick to the text, that's the traditional text, and he says it's still mode ani. Okay, moving on. The next page, oh, we're still, we're still in this Mishnah Bura. He gives a, a very important uh, reading skill here. We're turning the page on now, page Hey, the Mishnah Bura. Ve'tevat bechemla yiyeh be'atnachta. 
there needs to be a pause in the, the atnachta is the half moon tam in the Torah. The one that looks like a half moon, it's, a, it's like a break in the sentence, like a comma. There needs to be a comma after bechimla, v'rabai munatecha beli efsik. And, and the words rabai munatecha are continuous, not like the song. All right? The song says it wrong. No, that's wrong. It's not chemla rabba. It's chemla rabba emunatecha. Your emuna is rabba, is great. That's how you make sure you say it properly. Believe sake. Vehu mina katuv chadashim la bekarim, shakadosh baruchu mekayem emunato, akadosh baruchu is fulfilling his faith, his emuna, lachzir neshamot hamufkadim baboker, to return the neshamot back. In the morning, the appointed ones, he has faith in us that we're going to do his will and perform his will. He says, you don't need to do netilat yadayim for modani. Even if his hands are dirty, you still don't need to do netilat Because in modani, you don't have any name of Hashem and you don't even have a kinui, a pseudonym of God. You don't even have a, an Elohim or a Shakai or Tsevaot. You don't even have any of those. So therefore, you can say it even without washing your hands. Mikol makom, nevertheless, lilmod, if a person wants to learn, nir'ed de'asur kodem shenatal yadav. It seems to be that a per, it's asur to learn Torah without washing his hands. Um, thinking, of, thinking of words of Torah is fine without washing hands. If you want to just have it behirhur, you want to think... It's fine, um, but if you want to answer amen without washing your hands, that's no good. All right. The Kafachayim says if you hear beracha and you didn't wash your hands, don't answer amen. Think of the word amen because you need to have your hands washed before you even answer amen and learning Torah. asur kodem Torah. Nevertheless, also you can't even learn Torah without even saying birkata Torah. Okay, birkata Torah is the first. Uh, Nusach Ashkenaz, I believe, say uh, Birkota Torah is the first thing before even uh, their brachot and uh, Tilat Yadayim and Asher Yatsar. The first thing they say is Birkota Torah. Da'ayel El Sof Saif Katan Bet. He says, look later on, the end of Sif Katan Bet. Okay. Um, good. That's, now we're moving on to Halakha Bet. So you're going to have to turn the page back. So turn back the page to Halakha Bet. Seif Bet, there's no Mishnah Bruas on, on Seif Bet, but we have to learn the Halacha anyways. So Seif Bet, Hamashkim lehitchanen lifne bor'o, a person that wakes up to, to recite supplications in front of God, yechaven lasha'ot shemishtanot hamishmarot, a person should have in mind the hours, the correct hours where the mishmarot change, where the, uh, the watches of nights change. Shehen bishli shalayla, which is one third of the night. In our one and only Gemara class that we did last week, okay, we spoke about this Mishmar, about how every night there's a different set of angels that are coming and watching. All right, so you have the end of the first one, which is one third of the night, Usof Shenesh Lishayalayla, and the end of two thirds of the night, Usof Halayla, and the end of the night, Shatefilashi Palel Beotana Shaot, Ala Churban, Vala Galut, Retsuya. Because the tefillot that are recited then are on the Churban Betamigdash and the 
exile that we find ourselves in. <clears throat> Let's look at Halacha Gimel. Very important Halacha that unfortunately is not practiced often. Ra'ui lechol yeresh shamayim sheyehe metzer vedoeg al churban bet hamikdash. That every God-fearing person should worry and feel pained that the Bet HaMikdash is destroyed. Right? This, is, this is the third halakha that the Shuchan Aruch chooses to write in his holy book. So let's look at the Mishnah Berura. So it's uh, again, Seif Gimel, Seif Katan Tet, Ra'ui Lechol. The Kabbalists wrote in length, the importance of getting up at Chatzot. In every Sidur you open, you have something called Tikkun Chatzot. Right? You have Tikkun Rachel, Tikkun Le'ah, which is all part of, of what he he's speaking about in this Halacha, which are prayers about the Churban Bet HaMikdash. It's already printed in the Sidurim. How you should do it according to the Ari. The time for chatzot is the exact middle of the night. Calculate how long the night is, slice it in half. Whether it's long nights or short nights. Which is exactly 12 biblical hours after midday. The time to mourn over the churban, it should be just a little bit before midnight. And from then on, he should learn Torah. At the end of the night, that's when he should ask for his needs. That's already the beginning of the morning. Shomrim uh, the watch of the morning. And if it's already close to sunrise, he should only say the mizmorim hakinot. Don't say all the lamentations that are found in the tikkun chatzot. And then you say the pasu, the, the perak of shomrim laboker. After the tikkun, shiur mishnayot kodem lekol davar. These mishnayot contain all. Um, the, the sources of halakha and the entire Torah. It's very crucial for people to know these Mishnayot. And if a person is zocheh to the true wisdom, he will realize, he will know that this is a very special time. The rabbis were made, or accepted. What is shichvi ad kumi? Shichvi is when you lie down, kumi is when you get up. Hainu. Mishavuot, Shavuot, the holiday of Shavuot, Sheomrim Shikhvi, where we say lie down, Atishabeav Sheomrim Kumi, where we, where we say get up, and Sarikhla Kumbalaila. You don't need to wake up in the middle of the night. So it says, according to the Acharonim, there's not between Shikhvi and Kumi, between Shavuot and Tishabeav, you don't need to wake up. But yes, Omrim, Mitubeav at Tubeyar Yakum, and some say, from the 15th of Av until the 15th of Iyar, that's when you do get up. But those who follow Kabbalah, they get up every day. If there's a group of Jews that wake up every morning to say Tikkun Chatzot, you should not stop them from doing so. The opposite. 
The more the merrier. This concept of Rovam, the more people that are doing a mitzvah at one time, it's, it's, it's even more special for the king. It's better to say the tikkun in the synagogue rather than the room next to it. The beta keneset kadish tvei, because the synagogue is holier than any other room. You should also try to be of the first ten people. A person should make sure that when he wakes up in the middle of the night for whatever it is, whether it's tikkun chatzot or to study, that he should not have shichat chulin. Don't start talking about business and stock markets and Bitcoin. That's not what, it, that's not what the night is for. If someone is not able to wake up so early, maybe he's just a person who's weak. Or he knows if I wake up at 5 o'clock, when it comes time for Shachrit, I'm going to fall asleep on my face. Then sleep. No one's telling you you have to wake up. Sleep. Okay? How much sleep does a person need? How much sleep does a person need? The Rambam is famous for writing that a person needs 8 hours of sleep. He needs 8 hours until the age of 50, the Rambam writes. After the age of 50... Five or six hours is maspik. Um, Rav Chaim Kanievsky says seven hours. The Magen Abraham writes as much as you need to function. Every person is different, he says. Every person is different. But the key is, the Mishnah Bruah says here, don't wake up early if you're not going to focus on tefillah. We say, I say this halakha all the time on the night of Shavuot and the night of Hoshana Rabbah where people wake up. You know, they stay up all night learning. They think, yay, look at me, look at me, look at me. Pat themselves on the back. It comes for Shachrit, they're falling asleep. The whole, the whole, the whole Shachrit and Musab, they're snoring. What did you gain? Anything that you gain of your learning, you're, the, 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 what, there's no chiyuv to learn on Shavuot, on the night of Shavuot. It's a minad. But there's a chiyuv to say Shachrit and Kiryat Shema that you missed because you were sleeping. You should get at least 30 minutes to an hour before shul starts. That's what you should train yourself to do. So that you come to synagogue ready and clean. Right? So they need to bathe themselves, shower, whatever it is, that you come in the proper uh, mode. So now, you feel pain for the Beit HaMidash. But when you study Torah and when you're praying, that has to be with happiness. So when you wake up early in the morning and you want to do tikkun chatzot, yes, pain, crying, tears, no question. I feel bad. But when it comes time to tefillah, you have to be happy. That's what the, that's what the uh, song says, right? That's what the song goes? No, that's David HaMelech. The song came from David HaMelech. All right? Churban Bet HaMikdash. Katav Shela. At the end of every meal, you have to say Al Naharot Babel. Al Naharot Babel is the chapter in Tehilim that we recite on Tisha B'Av, which talks about the, the Yerushalayim being desolate and we're in Galut. Uh, so, Ubeshabbat, uh, on Shabbat, Vechen Beyamim Shenomrim Bem Tahanun. And also the days where we don't say Tachanun, Yomar Shira Ma'alot Beshuv Hashem. 
So this is the minhag of the uh, Ashkenazim uh, that uh, they say Shira Malo B'Shu Hashem on Shabbat and on Yamim Tovim. Uh, there are those that say also Al Naharot Bavel because you have to have be, be cognizant of the fact that there's no Beit Hamikdash. You just had a beautiful meal. You ate meat. You drank wine, but there's not true simcha. True simcha without with, with the Beit Hamikdash. So they say Al Naharot Bavel, just not on Shabbat. Because Shabbat you're not mourning. But the key is to know what he's saying. It all's really on what you're feeling. As long as you have a feeling of um, of mourning in the Beit Midash at that moment, then it's fine. On Shabbat, it's the exact opposite. Right? That's why the Ashkenazim say Beshuba Hashem Shivat Zion, because it's the opposite of Al Narot Pavel. Al Narot Pavel, you're mourning the destruction of Yerushalayim. Beshuva Hashem and Shabbat Zion, your Akados Baruch Hu is bringing us back to Zion. So that's why that's done on Shabbat. Okay. Halacha Dalit on top. Tov me'at tachanunim bechavana, meharbot belo chavana. Better to do a little supplication with kavana than a lot of tefilot with no kavana. Another famous line of the Shuchan Aruch. Short, sweet, and to the point. Says Mishnah Berura. What does it mean with Allah belo kavana? Aval im hamarbe kiven gamken hamarbe toviyot. Look at this. He says, but if you pray a lot and you have kavana, then it's better to pray a lot. All right. So don't 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 misinterpret what I'm saying. Yes, if you're going to pray a lot without kavana, better to pray a little. But if you have the ability to pray a lot with a lot of concentration, then do so. And if the guy who's praying a little, he is, uh, he's got an honest, it's got, you know, extreme circumstances, I don't know, for whatever reason, stuck in traffic, there's a snake around his foot, there's a lion roaring in his face, honest, crazy. And he cannot lengthen his tefillah. Or he makes a calculation. If I lengthen, if I pray too long my Amidah, I can't have Kavanah. But if I do short, I will have kavana. God actually considers it as if he prayed long with kavana. This guy's making a calculation. I really want to, but I can't because I know I'm going to lose my concentration. God considers it as if he prayed a long time. This is what we learned. One who's, who speaks long or, or learns or prays long or, or short. It's a famous statement. The key is having the kavanah. Long, short, it's your, it's your concentration and your mindset going into the tefillah, going into the learning. The same thing with learning Torah. Everything is hanging in front of God. Are you giving all your effort, all your strength into that, that limud? Someone who is a Baal Torah is an owner of Torah, meaning it's an expression, meaning he, he's very well versed. And he has the ability, the heart to understand and learn. Look at this. He says, this person, he can refrain, he can hold back from saying all of these extra supplications and requests and piyutim in the sidur. Better that he will learn in its place, in his place. 
That's assuming that you will learn in the place. So I mean, you can't skip the techinot and the piyutim and the bakashot just to do nothing. Assuming you're a Baal Torah, that you're so well-versed that you're going to concentrate, then you can take time away from that. A person should find every day some time to learn Musar. You know what Musar is, right? The proper way how to live, the way, the way a Jew should, should conduct himself. Whether a little or a lot. Don't think because you learn more Torah that you have less of a Yetzirah, the, the opposite. The more you learn, the, the greater the Yetzirah that you have. The bigger the inclination. All the more so do you have to learn books of Musar. And the best remedy for the Yetzirah is rebuke from our Chachamim. When you read books about Musar telling you how much you need to improve and how much you need to do this better and how much you have to control your anger and how much you have to improve on your humility and your tzedakah, there's no better Musar, there's no better lessons and, 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 uh, and remedy to get rid of uh, the Yetzirah. Bezrat Hashem, we'll continue this uh, next week. Thank you everybody for joining. Have a wonderful night.